I was on a phone call with my mom. I used to walk around and talk to my mom a lot on the phone. And I was like, what if it's set at a baking competition? What if it's a murder at a baking competition, like the British baking show? And then I kind of was like, no, no, no one wants to read that, you know. But then I kept thinking about it. I don't know why I thought no one wanted to read it, but I just thought thought maybe it would be too a little too sacrilegious. And I also thought, you know, possibly that I wouldn't be able to make the characters come to life in a way that would people would take them seriously. I think I worried, you know, at first. But then once I started writing it, I just couldn't stop and I wrote it in three months. Three months. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to the newest episode of the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Today, we are talking with author Jessa Maxwell, whose debut novel, The Golden Spoon, is just out, earning glowing praise and starred reviews from both Kirkus and Library Journal. Kirkus calling it a delicious concoction, two shakes Agatha Christie and a cup of great British bake-off. Not too shabby. I am Ron Block. And I am Patty Callahan Henry. Christopher Moore, who is a New York Times bestselling author, offers up this blurb. At last, a baking show with a murder. Cleverly constructed, so we not only wonder who is the murderer, but who's the victim. It is a delightful bake. I can't wait to talk about it. Jessa Maxwell lives in Jamestown, Rhode Island with her husband, two cats, and a three-legged dog that I must see a picture of. The Golden Spoon is not her first writing, and we will be talking about that, but it is her debut novel. So welcome to the podcast, Jessa. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we are too. We, we just, we both, Patty and I were, have been texting about your book for a long yeah. time now. Let's get right to it, though. Tell our listeners what the plot of the book is. The plot of the book is basically a, it's a locked room mystery set at a baking, like a televised baking competition where there is a murder. So it's a very easy <laughs> description. <laughs> it's also set at kind of like a gothic estate that's isolated in uh, rural Vermont. So it has that element to it as well. I think one of the words that I kept going through my head was atmospheric and yeah. cinematic. It just I felt like you were there. Yeah, I really tried to write it in I was an illustrator before I was a writer, and I think I see like use visualization a lot, you know, more than some writers do. Probably, maybe all writers do. But I definitely thought of each of the sections of the book, each of the chapters, like a kind of movie scene, and I really enjoyed thinking of it that way because I think it's great too because it echoes like the televised aspect of the of the book. Yes, yes, you could feel it, and the comparisons have been so fun to read. 
the great British Bake Off clue, only murders in the building, Agatha Christie. It's been fun to see the comparisons and this kind of mishmash. But we are always interested in what I call origin stories. I talk about this a lot, but this whole idea of where do stories come from? Where do we get our ideas? And I want to know, what was the first ingredient of the recipe of this story? Did you get what I did there? Did you get what I did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm <laughs> Impossible to resist. Yeah. I want to know what the first spark is. What made you say the origin of it? Yeah. I really just was, I've always wanted to write a mystery and, you know, I had wanted to write a novel for as long as I could remember. And I thought, you know, I turned 40 during the pandemic and I was like, if I don't write this now, I'm just not going to do it. So I made myself spend the summer writing this book. But before that I had decided, you know, to do something, I had all these ideas kind of swirling around in my mind. And then I was like, you know, maybe I should pick one, maybe I should pick another but none of them really popped out. You know, they weren't like the kind of, they didn't have that kind of like feeling like I knew which one, which direction to go to. And so I was on a phone call with my mom. I used to walk around and talk to my mom a lot on the phone. And I was like, what if it's set at a baking competition? What if it's a murder at a baking competition, like the British baking show? And then I kind of was like, no, no, no one wants to read that, you know, but then I kept Uh, thinking about it. I don't know why I thought no one wanted to read it, but I just thought, I thought maybe it would be too, a little too sacrilegious. And I also thought, you know, possibly that I I wouldn't be able to make the characters come to life in a way that would, people would take them seriously. I think I worried, you know, at first, but then once I started writing it, I just couldn't stop. And I wrote it in three months. So I just loved writing it. I did. I I love. I mean, the the new book is not coming along so so quickly, but I just absolutely love writing. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, thought we had a super one there. I know. Three months. I I barely. I will never do that again. Yeah, but that shows you it was just uh, waiting on you, right? It was mm -hmm. waiting for you. One of the things. Well, you know, all these little descriptions we could call it delicious like patty started the whole trend now we're going to be using little words all through this thing but one of the things that i was immediately impressed by was how as we got introduced to each of the contestants early in the book each one gave us another view of the manner so that by the end we had of the first introductions there was a terrific overview of, of grafton so it just made me want to kind of go stay there in a way but well, that was in the beginning of the book anyway. But how know, right? did that come into your mind and, and why why that setting? Because it's beautiful. I think I always wonder, you know, when you watch the British baking show, there is like a some sort of manner. It's on the grounds of, a you know, some sort of house. And I always wondered about that house and what that house would be like inside. And I also wanted to keep it. I wanted to make it locked room. So I wanted to give them a place where they had to stay, you know, for the the hardest part about writing this book was figuring out the rules to the TV show, honestly. Like it was so confusing to me what, you know, each person, you know, how many days it should last and how many people there should be. Because if you didn't include all of their points of view, then you'd know for sure, you know, who was killed or who was going to be voted off or who was in trouble. So I just <laughs> wanted to give it more of a, I don't know, just a, more of a, a chance to do its thing but i also like wanted to make sure there were enough characters i don't know it was very confusing for me to figure out how to put this thing together 
but I loved putting it in Grafton. I thought that was a really fun. I guess there is actually a Grafton, Vermont too, which I didn't even know when I just wrote it. And it's sure they're not going to be thrilled. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, now they have a baking show there. Yeah. We write things into existence. Well, it's yes. def- it feels remote. It feels, you know, spooky. And at the same time, a place that you want to visit. But you put it all together. This setting and then these characters, the pacing and the weaving of the backstory. There are so many points of view because you get to see each character. It's almost like you're bringing the story into 3D. And I often say that being a novelist is like playing psychotherapist. It's one of my favorite things about being a novelist is is diving into the psychoanalysis of these people and why they do what they do and why they love what they love. And in this novel, we even have a therapist. So is there one character that you resonated with the most that you had the most fun writing or one that was harder to write? Because you get into the backstory of all of them. I mean, I really loved writing each of them. And I think at different times I would focus on, I'm like a writer who skips around. Are you? I'm so curious if other people are writers that skip around or if you just follow like the. If I'm on a roll with one point of view, I will keep going mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. go back and add in the others. I try to write linear, but it doesn't always work. And I think I, I go where the energy is. Is that what you did? Just yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Same for sure. I was obsessed with writing Perjumna. He was my favorite character and I miss him so much in this current book. I mean, there's, it, it just loved him and, I just loved his energy. He got, I just had so much fun writing his character and he's nothing like me, but I, I just really loved him. Is there one that was harder to write? Oh, I think honestly, Hannah was harder to write was maybe the hardest to write and maybe Stella too. I feel like I actually have more trouble writing characters that are closer to me. I maybe Stella was actually the hardest. I have more, the closer they are to me in personality the more they kind of feel like nothing, like blank. Does that make sense? It's so I, totally like, I just have more trouble filling them in or maybe cause I can't see myself as clearly as I can see other people. <laughs> I just, um, and maybe I, I'm a little bored by it too. I think the closer well, I don't care are. how I would do it. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Care exactly. how they will do like, it. That's not interesting. Yeah. I, that's not new. I know what I would say yeah. and what I would do. I want to know <laughs> what this other character would say or do who's nothing like me. Something I wouldn't say, yeah. a decision I wouldn't make. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Totally. I mean, I loved writing Betsy too, who is the, you know, kind of matriarch of the whole thing. I thought that she was really fun to write. I liked her two facedness. She was really fun to read too. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, there's more to this. Let's start peeling the onion layers back. Yeah, yeah. And, and you sure <laughs> the did. Cake layers. The cake layers. The cake layers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm a little curious to know about. Uh, you said you you kind of write kind of choppy, but how did you keep it all together? Did you have a big board in the house? Um, because each each time we met the characters, we learned a little bit more about them. So how did you keep it separate, but then put them all together? Oh, it was just a mess. The document was just a total mess. Like I did try to, you know, this is how I'm trying to write this new one too. And I'm like, Oh God, there's gotta be a better way. But I did, I tried to do like once in a while, I think I like go back and try to chart things out. Just I'm kind of doing that right now where I'm like trying to 
plot through like each character and then I'll write what each of their motivations are and what they'll do, you know, at different times. But most of it, I just go through and rewrite the same things in different ways over and over and over again. I think it really reminds me of like when I draw, I draw this way too, where I draw something and it looks terrible and I just redraw it and redraw it because I draw digitally and like redraw it and redraw it. It's like sculpting. So I picture like the writing is kind of in the same way where I'll just get rid of a sentence and then, you know, form it together. And it's not like the most practical way to write something because you can't just, I envy these people doing writing sprints because I don't know how people do that. Like I don't have the space in my you know, manuscript to do that ever. It just seems like it must be so free occasionally, but only at the beginning, I feel like. And then it just gets so convoluted and I have to like chip away at it. Wow. (laughs) That makes me tired just to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk now about research. And of course, one of our favorite topics, food. Mm. You are so good at describing the manner we've already said you even created blueprints and and you the grounds and you could picture exactly where everything was, but also the kitchen setups in the tent and the details of the baking processes. I wanted to eat everything, even the ones that didn't win. I wanted to try every one of those baked goods, but talk about your process of gathering all of these fine points together. The baking was really fun because I got to make up my own recipes. And I really just, I mean, I'm, I'm a baker. I'm not even close to a professional baker, but I love baking and I love cooking. And so I just really enjoyed coming up with these recipes. Like they're the things I would make if I was a really talented baker, I think, who could do these kind of things on the fly. So I, I just had a really good time doing that. At first, I was really worried that I was going to bore people with too much description of baking because I was thinking, well, you know, you can't just keep doing this over and over and over again. They can't keep baking too much. So I did, but I think I struck the right, right balance at the end, but it kind of like, I was a little at the, while I was writing it, I was like, Oh, more baking, you know, I think, how are people going to feel about this? We loved it. So <laughs> no worries there. <laughs> I would love to, they, there was a recipe developer who did the blueberry buckle cake and is sending it out with copies of the book to some people I think and that would be amazing to see finished you know it would be amazing I thought gosh if I could you know with my launch party had had like some of the baked goods you know made by some caterer or something that would have been so cool but I didn't get it together in time for that but I would love to see some of the baked goods be made I wonder if anyone will try to attempt making any of them after the book comes out you might be surprised I've seen things like that happen I'm going to try. I love baking. I love cupcakes and cookies and I don't like to cook, but I love to bake. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if, have you ever thought about applying for one of the bake-offs? Oh God, I could never be on TV. This stresses me out enough. (laughs) (laughs) Just being on like any sort of, I'm already scared of being like, you know, in front of people, I get very tongue tied and, um, oh, I, I have so much respect for people who are really good at being, on camera and able to do that sort of thing. I just think it's such a specific skill set and I'm just really impressed by people who can do it well. <laughs> it's not my natural state, that's for sure. I like the things that I think I like to think I'm good at it. Or I'd be good at it. Or I like to think that it would be fun to do it, but when it right. comes up to it, I would I would ha- be absolutely petrified of going on television <laughs> for more than like a 15-minute segment, I think. 
Oh, it's, I still think it's terrifying, but I wish I could illustrate. So Jazz, you don't get to be good at everything. Okay. (laughs) I would would love to be able to illustrate and I have tried, I can make a flower, a palm tree and a a moon, like a, (laughs) so I'm so bad. (laughs) And I, and I think, and in my new book coming out, there's illustrations play a big part. So I've always been fascinated with Arthur Rackham and Beatrix Potter and illustrators on the whole. So I think it's amazing that you can do that also and then have that visual as well as language to tell a story. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I realize how much easier writing is in some, I mean, drawing is so like, it's such a different part of your brain because you're, you can't be immersed in drawing the same way you can be immersed in writing. And so I feel like I prefer writing. It's hard. It's harder because it's harder to get into it, but you can tell a story so much faster with writing than you can with drawing. I also think that the skill set for drawing taps into such a different part of the brain. Like I know I've Mm -hmm. I've thought about doing that thing where you draw with your left hand because I'm right-handed, but I do know I'm just going to stick with storytelling. Okay, so back to your story. When the truth was finally revealed, when I thought it was all done, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. right. it may, I was like, oh, we solved it. And then I was like, oh, no, we didn't. So it made, me, <laughs> it made me both gasp and laugh because why hadn't I seen it, right? And that's the best ending that's obvious, but you didn't see it coming. So I read that you figured out the clues beforehand and then chose who would reveal them. Is that right? I kind of knew where I was going. I made discoveries along the way, of course, but I kind of knew there were things I wrote in the ending that were kind of the big pivotal moments that I kind of like, you know, wound my way to through different characters. And I loved because, you know, it was such a daunting amount of characters to have um, that many points of view, like seven points of view. And I thought it was so cool as I was writing it uh, to keep the story moving by, you know, each character had these strengths that they could share something or you could learn something through their eyes because they would be the person who would notice that sort of thing or they, you know, so it could show clues in this kind of organic way, I thought, through that. And that was really exciting to me as I was writing it to figure out which person would be discovering what and revealing what at what time. And I think because it was so many characters that moved the story forward really fast, I made sure that it never went back and never stayed in the same time. Like if it moved to a next character, it was moving forward in time. And that felt really organic and like it gave the story a lot of momentum, I thought. It did. It was like a baton. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Did you know the ending? I knew the basic ending. I think I did. I don't even remember now. Like, I think I did. I think I knew the first ending, maybe not the second ending. I don't, I don't remember if I knew the ending. <laughs> I think it's I knew, funny. like, I had like a, the gist of it. I knew the, I knew who would die right okay. away. And that was like, I wrote the first chapter of the book was the first thing I wrote. And I, and it kept, it, like, kind of picked up from there. And that was very satisfying. I love that. Well, it definitely feels like you discovered it along the way. So I was curious if you did. 
Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think it was a combination of both. I mean, there are those things that where you're like, oh, well, she could do that, you know, or he could find that. And then it's, it takes it into a whole nother place and you can make connections with the characters in such a different way. And I wanted them to interact with each other too, because I do, I love, you know, um, only murders in the building and things like that, or they have such sweet kind of underlying relationships. And to me, that's much more interesting than like villains. I love reading dark stuff, but I'm, I loved writing something that was, you could imagine yourself as kind of any of them, I think. They, they were very relatable. I could see a little bit of myself in every one of them. Let's talk about the cover. We talked about that before we started recording a little bit, but did you have a hand in the final cover? It's, it's pretty stunning. It's amazing. James Iacobelli, I believe I'm saying his name right. It is just beautiful. I'm so grateful. And yes, I had... Just, well, they had, they'd showed me a different cover first and they were really excited about it. And I just didn't think it did quite enough for the book. And I think I had had this vision of it being, I'm like, it's called the golden spoon. I want a gold spoon on the cover. (laughs) So I did say that, but they came back with something so much more stunning and beautiful than I, you know, even had in my imagination. And I just love what they did with it, making it kind of like a, you know, my grandmother used to collect those little spoons when she traveled. And it reminds me so much of that. I just loved what they did with it. And I think my only note was to make the blood look bloodier. <laughs> that was <laughs> the only thing we changed, really. Yeah, it's such a great, such a great design. I have it to is. tell you, when I first saw it, I thought that blood was on the spoon. Mm-hmm. I know those of you listening to us can't see the cover, so go buy it right now so you can see the cover. But um, <laughs> I thought that was like dripping caramel or chocolate. Oh, yeah. Like it took a couple yeah. looks for me to go, oh, wait, that's blood. That's kind of cool, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought I it was that. like chocolate or something. So it's it really has a double entendre yeah. to it. And it's so shiny. It's just so shiny. So shiny. <laughs> yes. Well, I have the advanced so. copy. I don't have the real oh, one. You yet. have the art. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's very, like, shiny. <gasps> so cover. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's just stunning in person. Catches the light. This one must be so exciting. <laughs> okay, we read that you have a background in journalism, and now we know illustration. And so this is your debut. But I want, if you don't mind, everybody is, as I am, fascinated how you finally get your debut on the shelf because you already mm-hmm. said you wrote it in three months, which will make every author I, I know go, believe. Oh, I'm such a loser, but I want you to fill oh, us oh, in yeah. on your journey to this point. How did this happen? Yeah. I mean, well, I wrote it in three months, but it took me like 10 years to restart it. So I don't know. <laughs> Does that count? Yes, um, it counts. Totally yes. Counts. yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I had been working on children's books. I'd written and illustrated six picture books for Harper Collins. And I was just a little bit adrift trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. I got a, a really wonderful um, contract to write a graphic novel and illustrate a graphic novel. And then I just started writing this and I still have to finish the graphic novel. And I'm very sorry to Brian because I love him so much. And I still need to do it. <laughs> it's very close, but yeah, I, I turned the book into my agent and she did not like it at all. And so I had to, you know, get another agent. So that was like kind of something that tripped me up 
and I was really lucky that my, you know, I sent it out to a bunch of different agents. Uh, I do have, you know, friends who work in publishing. My husband is an editor. So he did, you know, he was able to, I was really fortunate. He was able to help me um, figure out who to send it to. And I got it to um, Alexander Machinist, who is just this very amazing, very, you know, she's the best agent out there, I feel like, for commercial fiction. And she just turned around and sold it, basically. Like, it was a very quick process. And it was the thing you dream about when you're getting, when you're writing a book, when you're toiling away writing a book, you're just like the fantasy. And I'm very fortunate because I had an auction for the book. And then I had an auction for the, you know, film right or the, you know, option for the book. And that was, you know, it all happened really quickly. It was very kind of disassociative because <laughs> you're like, wow. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It always is when you're in the middle of it, it's like riding this wave and you're like, just hanging. You, you want to ride the wave, but you're like hanging on for dear life. You know? Yeah. I feel like you should walk into that old agent's office, like pretty woman and be like, big myself. I I don't know. Sometimes it's just like not the right. I, you know, I really liked her too. I just think it's some people just are not, it's just not the right fit, you know, like taste wise. And I think she was more interested in literary fiction and I just love commercial fiction. Honestly, I love reading it and I love writing it. So I just hope that all I want for myself is to be able to keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing it. I say that all the time. Are your children's books written under Jessa Maxwell? No, they're written under my real name, which is, well, kind of my real name. I have, I took my husband's name. So I have three names out there. So <laughs> they're under Jessica Olin, O-L-I-E-N. And then. Well, we want them to find those too. Ah, yes. Yes. Shark Detective was my first book. That's awesome. <laughs> Shark Attack. I love it. So our listeners love to hear about the books and the authors that have influenced our guests. Can you name some of yours? I think, you know, like Lucy Foley really made me want to do the locked room, multi-perspective kind of thing. I really loved reading The Guest List and thought that that was such a cool way of telling a story. And she was, it was very like immediate. And it also kind of made me feel like, oh, I could do this, like, could see myself writing it all of a sudden and I've always loved Lisa Jewell I love her writing I think her characters are just so wonderfully developed and so empathetic and even her bad guys are very very empathetic and I just love that she makes very complicated wonderful characters I think those are the two you know most influential for me like writing wise not too bad (laughs) so is there anything you can tell us at all? Mostly who do you see as Betsy? Do you have anything you can tell us? So it still has been optioned by ABC and Lean Machine, who, which is run by Eileen Brosh McKenna, who just, she just had a, what's the movie that just came out? Um, Your Place or Mine? Mm. Oh yeah. And she also worked on Devil, or she wrote, adapted Devil Wears Prada. She's just this very like dynamic, amazing woman. And she, bought it very excited to write it and has written the pilot and then we kind of got this news so we're just waiting to see what happens i mean i feel like 
I can't imagine working in television. I feel like it's so much harder than publishing, like just so confusing and so many people to get through to make anything. But uh, she's going to try. So we'll see what happens. And she's been really fun to hear from and talk to you about it. And I got to read the first one. So that was kind of cool. But it's very different. But it's very cool. I always say about Hollywood and TV, it's fun to get excited about, but then you just have to put it like away. In oh, a I container. totally do. I don't even think about yeah. it. I kind of forgot about it. I forget about it all the time. Yeah. Because our job is to write a book. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, you know, and you see so many writers and I think it's great if it works out because it can be, I'm sure, very fulfilling to work with other people you know, because we're so isolated. And I think that's the appealing thing of working for TV, you know, writing for television, be to go to a writer's room and like see different people. But I also think it can take people away from their writing. You know, some people just disappear into that and they just never emerge and they're just kind of trapped on the hamster wheel of all that. So I'm much more, my priority is much more into, into writing like novels and continuing to do that. And if something gets made, I will be absolutely delighted. But there's that whole thing where they say, and was it in publishing? It's like, no, no, no. And then it's yes. And in Hollywood, it's yes, yes, yes. And then it's no. So that seems very important. <laughs> I have yes. never heard that. And it's exactly That's right. A good one. It's so exactly perfect. Right. It's, it's like, we're so excited. We're so excited. And you're on these Zooms and they're all in your face. And then it's like being ghosted by a guy. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I crazy. know. I know. I know. I just like, we take it with, you know, whatever, for what it is. But yeah. I mean, it would be magical if it worked. And I know she is working very hard. Eileen is working very hard to to have it made. And well, it'd be amazing made, on the so. screen. It'd be really cool. It would it be would so be, fun. Yeah. And I have yeah. like, I do have, you know, like, you know, fantasy picks because she worked with Meryl Streep's that we were kind of like, <sighs> whoa, wouldn't that be amazing? Meryl Streep is probably Lottie, we, th- we thought. Of course, you know, Glenn Close would be a good Betsy, I think. Ooh. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Also, Jane Lynch. Wouldn't she be a fun Betsy? Oh, my gosh. She'd be such a fun Betsy. I know. So fun. (laughs) Oh, my God. But those are the ones I've thought about the most are Lottie Betsy. She'd be just, she's just so funny. I love her. Okay. I'm ready to turn it on. Let's go. (laughs) Get it made. (laughs) So you mentioned that you wanted to continue writing books. Yay. Mm -hmm. What do you have in the works? What's next? I mean, this is the one I've been struggling with. I just like, I don't want to say too much about it just because I'm scared I'm going to change yeah, no, that's okay. I'll never finish it. But I do, um, I, it's, it's another, you know, kind of like locked room mystery. It's not quite as, it's a bigger cast of non-immediate characters, but it's set at a seaside estate, kind of reminiscent of one of the hotels or the, you know, mansions nearby in Newport. I live in Jamestown. Newport is just across the water and you have all these like things built, these elaborate, weird, creepy things built by the Vanderbilts and things. So it's kind of this cliffside version of one of those. And there is like a, it's like an old matchmaker who has come to make matches at this hotel. So. Oh, I love it. Hurry up and finish that, Missy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we will uh, we'll protect each other. Yeah, no, that's I what you literally do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody whispered in Ron's ear. Okay, yes, you have yes. quite a tour lined up. So tell us how you're prepping and where our listeners can find you online, on social media, maybe mm-hmm. on tour. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I am going to be at the Mysterious Bookshop. That's the day the book comes out on the 7th of March. And just like pull up my little schedule here. And then I'm going to be at the Poison Pen Bookstore on March 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And that will be with A.G. Riddle, who is a very different writer to me, but also a very interesting writer. And I'm excited to meet him. That's at seven. And then the ninth, I fly to Houston to do Murder by the Book. And I'm not sure who's moderating yet, but I've heard it could be someone pretty fun. And then March 11th, which is also my birthday, I will be at Once Upon a Crime Bookstore in Minneapolis. And then March 14th, Elm Street Books which is really fun because this is in conversation with Diane Morrissey, who is a like prolific, you know, cook. And she's like a cookbook recipe developer. And I'm just really excited about that. It'll be really fun. And then I have a couple other more local events and uh, to prepare for them. I'm just shopping a lot, like nervously (laughs) shopping online and returning things. We have like a distribution center in our house, just, (laughs) <laughs> shipments in shipments out you know <laughs> oh that's awesome I'm the same thing I'm like oh I think that'll work yeah. that'll work that'll work and it gets here I'm like yeah. now I gotta pack yeah. it up print the return oh yeah so <laughs> many so many oh my gosh I'm just like I think I've got it kind of together now it's hard too because I'm going to Minneapolis which is so cold and then to Texas and and Arizona so I've got like these I have to bring a coat I guess it's a little hard for me to figure out what to do. Packing, packing is my um, nemesis and my kryptonite. So I have no advice for you. <laughs> but everyone who's listening, you can follow Jessa on Instagram where she is keeping everything up to date and posting about yes. the book. Currently, uh, you can find everything at Jessa Maxwell author on Instagram. Jessa, thank you so much for joining us. We loved this book. I nabbed a very early copy from our mutual editor, Lindsay Sagnet, and read it on the plane on the way home and told Ron, you have to read this right away. So it is terrific to see what you have done over COVID and that this book is in the world. And the Friends and Fiction family wishes you the absolute best with this novel. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was so exciting to be here. Thank you. And thank you to all our amazing listeners. Don't forget that you can snag a copy of The Golden Spoon at a discount while helping indie bookstores by visiting the bookshop.org Friends and Fiction online store. And as always, please share our podcast with a friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends in Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.